This is Life Change Church, Muskegon. What are you doing while you listen? Driving, mowing the lawn, folding the laundry, multitasking? We're so glad you're here. Subscribe and share this weekly podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, on iTunes, or at mylifechangechurch.tv. Join us in person Sunday mornings at 9.30 or 11.30, or catch us on Facebook Live. Here's Pastor Ron Rands. Well, good morning. At least it is for a few more minutes. Um, This morning, we're going to be talking about which voice has your attention. And I thought it was... um, it was actually so encouraging to hear that Richard, before we had even talked, he had, God was already leading in him what to say. In fact, he said, Pastor, I just want me, you know, I'm not stealing part of your message about, you know, voice and, um, and what, what we're actually, what, what are you listening to or where your treasure is? And the same thing with Sarah when she was praying about how important it is for us to get in that space of listening and, and to hear. And today, uh, what voice are you listening to? And we have, you know, I'm gonna break it down and we have lots of voices, lots of things that we can hear, but it, it really breaks down into three categories according to the word of God. Um, one is yourself and the thing that's going on in your own head. And that can be blown up into a whole lot of thoughts and voices. The other one is the, the devil. Um, and the other one is God. And you know, God gives us this little picture of him being the still and quiet voice. And I've asked this message to be recorded. Normally we record the first service, and, but I've asked this one to be recorded because the spirit of God has already changed something up and he wants me to, to deliver even a different message than I did in the first service, although it's gonna be around the same theme. And uh, while we were um, praising God this, um, in the second service here, the Lord began to quicken in, in my heart of the passage I'm about to read to you in John chapter 16. But before we get there, um, I'm going to uh, talk about how already in this, this morning has been such a, a great morning, but also somewhat difficult for me to kind of um, walk in the space of it because God has, what I would call, arrested me three times. And what I mean by arrested is that I'm already walking in the space, kind of getting an idea of what God's going to do, and he stops me in my tracks and go, we're going to do something different. So two times already in this um, service, before service started in the first one, he gave me two passages, actually, actually it's three passages. We're gonna talk about those in just a moment. And then, then in this second service, he arrested me again. He goes, all right, we're gonna do something different again, but we're gonna really uh, uh, kind of open up John chapter 16. So what I wanna kind of uh, maybe kind of step back a second, and maybe if we could get a 5,000 view of the picture sometimes what God has historically been showing you for us for 6,000 years in the Bible. Historically, God's been giving us these characters in the Bible that are here to heed all these voices, either the voice of what's going on in their own head, voice of what's going on in the devil, or voice of what's going on in God. I mean, that's literally, in fact, the book of beginnings, you can't even get it in three chapters, and you already have all these characters and these voices. And the first one you have is Adam and Eve. And obviously to to begin with, we see the voice of self. And Eve is going over there and going, you know what, that tree over there, even though God's told us not to eat of that tree, it looks good. It looks good. And I like how Pastor Jenna talked about how she's been, you know, for 75 days. For her right now, ice cream 
looks good, okay? And so she's been holding. I'm gonna tell you something. What happens is we have our own self. We have things inside of ourself that are desired. We have desires inside. Even though all of us could, you know, have those desires and we could write them down, they'd probably be, you know, different from one another. But in the same thing, they, we would, they become our own desires, fleshly desires. And then we also have in Genesis, we find out so that Eve has these desires and she shares these with Adam, you know, these desires. And then we find Satan on this, on, in the show. And Satan goes over there and sees through those desires and begins to capitalize on that. And becomes a, a, tries to be the, a trigger in our life. And to the, to the point where all of a sudden he takes these desires and triggers them to be the point where he leverages those moments to fulfill his will. And then we have this still quiet voice that shows up every night, God. Hey, Adam and Eve, how'd it go today? What's, you know, what's your day been like? This is really a picture of the redemptive plan that God has. God, when he redeemed us, didn't take Satan out of this world. He didn't take all your nasty desires out of you either. But what he did is he gave you access to a still quiet voice that loves you, accepts you, and wants to empower your life into his path, a path of righteousness. In fact, we're gonna um, read that passage right now in Psalms chapter 23. This is the scripture, and some of you, if you've been in you know, church as long as I have, when I was in children's ministry, I was uh, made to memorize this particular passage. And I'm not gonna, I could probably do it, but I, I might, I might do it a little bit sloppy. Kind of, that was kind of my childhood ways, a little bit sloppy. So I want to not do it sloppy. So I'm going to read it in the um, not sloppy, Pastor Ron, childish way, all right? Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pasture. He leads me besides the still waters. He restores my path. And he's a passage I really want us to grab. Yay, okay, he leads me in the paths of righteousness. He leads me in the paths. Means there's paths of righteousness. That means there must be paths of, oh, there you go, unrighteousness. So there's paths of righteousness. Now, when I was a kid, I never picked that up at all. I just memorized it. Didn't have any idea what I was really memorizing. But see, what God does is he takes spaces in our life. He's a sovereign God. He'll deposit things like even today. He'll deposit something. If you'll receive it, you may not even know what you're receiving. But five years down the road, 10 years down the road, 10 days down the road, all of a sudden he'll put a light on that. And all of a sudden what you received, it begins to grow. That's what's so wonderful. He leads us in the path of righteousness for his name's his namesake yea though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I'm not going to fear evil for you're with me your rod your staff they comfort me you prepare a table before me in the presence of your enemies you anoint my head with oil my cup runs over surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life I will dwell in the house of the Lord second Scripture. In fact, the first one, this is the one God gave me. He arrested me. I was about ready to walk into the service and start, you know, getting ready for praise with uh, the team. And all of a sudden God goes, nope, not yet. So then I turned around and went back into my office and, and he goes, Psalms 23. So I went over there and put in my notes. And then I started walking back into the service, ready to get into praise again. And, and he goes, not yet. So he then went back to my office. He goes, first Timothy. So now we'll read the second passage. And I guess the big thing is, are you ever, do you allow God to arrest you? 
I mean, are you, do you allow yourself to have that space where you can be interrupted? Where God has first, first Timothy one, we know that the law is good, verse eight, when used correctly, for the law was not intended for people who do what is right. What that means is this, is that, you know what? I don't need somebody to tell me what's right and wrong when God's living in my heart, I'm already following it. But when I'm not following it, God gives me these boundaries, all right? It is for people who are lawless and rebellious, who are ungodly and sinful, who consider nothing sacred and and defile what is holy, who kill their father and mother or commit other murders. The law is for people who are sexually immoral or who practice homosexuality or slave traders, liars, promise breakers, who do anything else that contradicts the wholesome teaching that comes from the glorious good news entrusted to me by our blessed God. Now we're gonna, same chapter, move down to verse 19. Now, Timothy is being encouraged by the Apostle Paul. Why? Because he's discouraged. I know that none of you have ever been discouraged. I know that none of the, every event in your life is so easy, it encourages you. You just want to wake up in the morning and go, yay, it's morning. (laughs) Or some of us face difficulties in life. Even though we're loving God, we know God, we're facing these difficulties. I love what Paul speaks to Timothy. You know, you think that this man is the pastor of the Ephesians church. He's got it all together. It's one of the most thriving, you know, spaces. It's, it's very wealthy. Um, there's, it, the church is exploding in size. Timothy's the, he's a young pastor and he's got this huge flock. And yet he has a lot of people that are just saying, you don't belong here, Timothy. You're not smart enough. You're not educated enough. You're not worthy enough. Here's Timothy. And here's what Paul says to Timothy. Cling to your faith, Timothy, cling. Keep your conscience clear. For some people have deliberately violated their conscience. As a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. So your faith, your trust, your understanding, you can shipwreck it. Now, I know a little bit about this um, uh, uh, because the way I came to the Lord is I crashed my ski boat into a bridge and almost died in the process. So I know a little bit of what a shipwreck feels like and to the point where all of a sudden you're in the space and there's, there's literally uh, parts of your vessel everywhere around you in the water floating. Seats have just kind of, you know, moved out of the boat. Windshields crashed. The whole top of the boat's moved back 12 inches and you realize that you should have been thrown in the boat. If not, you should have been dead. And yet God lifted, arrested you, lifted you up in that space and then put you right back down in it to look at your surroundings to get a good, clear conscience of where you're at in life. And in that space, I knew I was not where I needed to be in God. And I don't have time, and this whole point is not my testimony. The space is this, is I know that God's saying, look, you can get off the wrong path. I hit that, obviously the wrong path. I hit that pillar, that bridge. And it can shipwreck you. And some of us, you know, I know that, um, in fact, I was talking to Pastor Jenna this week, and and uh, she, was, she was listening to Rob, her husband, and he's reading this book and, and sharing, because you know, we really care about the next generation. This whole church, I personally, I have 20 grandkids, and I have a whole boatload of kids, and I have a church family. I care about the next generation. And so, in fact, we've been literally almost accused that we don't care about my generation. 
I'm not sure what that means, but, but you know, the point is, is that we're working tirelessly, even interviewing pastors. And we've been interviewing, in fact, we got one pastor we just interviewed and he's deciding he's gonna be the assimilation or the executive pastor of this church. But God has, he's looking at this church and another church. And he's just, him and his wife, are, they're, they're really praying about it. I love it. He's just like, look, I just wanna do what God wa- wants me to do. So please be praying for what God's gonna do in that space. Second of all, we interviewed another um, sister who wants to, is gonna be the director of our children's ministry. And, uh, and I'm gonna be writing her an offer this week. And just, um, she's a, a, a wonderful, just a fully devoted uh, follower of Christ. And then so, but again, everything that we're interviewing and the elders and team we're doing is that we wanna see this church care about the next generation. Why is it that we have Pastor Jenna up here making announcements for the youth all the time? And she, you know what? She's gonna have to fight for that space a lot because we're gonna have a children's person doing the same thing, amen? Which is awesome because I'm gonna give them that space. That's what we want is somebody that's gonna fight for this next generation so that we can have clarity of conscience. And here's what's happening is, is that we don't understand the time in which we're living in. We don't get it. Our consciences have been seared. Our consciences are not even sensitive to this space. If, we, if you would have went back 20 years ago, can I even imagine somebody would say to me that, you know what? Something's gonna go worldwide plague is gonna happen and we're gonna cast, cancel Easter services. I would have laughed. I get nobody gonna cancel church. But it happened. It happened. So it's time for us to recognize what is God saying? Now, let's look back at the Bible. I already gave you Adam and Eve and a little bit, but let's maybe, what about Noah? Here's this picture of Noah, all right? And I, I think he's like totally heroic in my eyes. I mean, if I look at, I mean, obviously Jesus is my hero, but when I look at somebody who's literally heroic, someone who had to spend a hundred years to build something that had never been built and has been told that there's gonna be rain that comes out of heaven and it's never rained a day. We know what rain is, amen. Oh, it's never rained a day, never ever rained. And water's gonna come out of the heavens and I want you to be a preacher of righteousness and you're gonna t- it's gonna take you a hundred years so that his wife is gonna be ridiculed, his children are gonna be ridiculed and the space of going over there having to be this person of encouragement to stir himself up and pound more wood every single day for a hundred years and be laughed at and ridiculed and say, I'm following one voice and that's the voice of truth. That man's heroic. Because I put myself in that place, that feels like the place of impossibilities. Because I want to I, I protect my kids from ridicule. I want to protect my grandkids from it. I want to protect my church family from it. And yet Noah had to be planted in that space. And in fact, it says that in the, live, the place that he lived, he says, everybody's thoughts. Now watch this. He says, in the last days, people will be like in the days of Noah. That every man's intention of their heart will be evil toward God. So if we're gonna be Noah's today, we better know the voice of God so strong that we're not gonna be moved because somebody's mad at us or somebody's ridiculing us. We know the voice of God so strong in us that we're following it. So that's why I wanna really kind of change the message up a little bit today in the second service. And I'm gonna read John chapter 16 and I wanna kind of help you with what the Holy Spirit has taught me in my prayer life 
in this passage. And then I'm going to give an example that hopefully my, um, my son and his girlfriend can really listen to in this storyline. <laughs> All right, here we go. John chapter 16, okay? Verse 5. But now I'm going away to the one who sent me. And not one of you is asking where I'm going. So here's Jesus. You can tell he's frustrated. I'm like, hey, I'm taking off. And you guys aren't even talking about it. You're not even asking the question. What's, you know? Instead, you grease because I told you it. You're like, you want to go, stop talking. But in fact, it's best for you to go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I'll send him to you. And when he comes, he will do three things. The Holy Spirit does a lot of things, but they're all channeled in this space of three dimensions. Here we go, okay? And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin. It's not your job to convict the world of sin. The Holy Spirit does that, okay? Some of you are, got one amen on there, all right? So Holy Spirit does that. He will convict the world of sin and of God's righteousness. The Holy Spirit wants to tell you that, look, in me, you can and be all. And of what? And it says, and of the coming judgment. Now he breaks it down because they don't understand what that means. Nine, the world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. So sin is really just saying, well, I kind of believe more in myself than I do God. That's sin, okay? Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you'll see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. Put Satan where he belongs. There is so much more I want to tell you. Here's Jesus going, I want to tell you more. Well, why don't you? I want to tell you more. Well, well, then why don't you? But you can't bear it. How many times we, are God's kids, can't listen because we're so full of what we want to hear? Jesus goes, you can't bear it now. You're not ready to hear it. When the spirit of truth comes, what's he going to do? He's going to help you get there. He's going to guide you into all that truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard and do you tell you about the future. I'm going to pray. Father, I just ask for help. And I know that you're moving in me. And even as I'm, Lord of God, even in this time that you're, you're speaking and help me to listen. Help me to heed what you want to say. God, I ask that you, Lord, that I, it not be me, that it would be you. Holy Spirit, may, may not just the, the dialogue, but God, those who hear, they hear you in this moment. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. So just for kind of breaking this down, and then I'm gonna get to the point of John 16. In John chapter eight, there's a, a kind of a famous passage that a lot of us, people of the gospel like to quote but we missed verse 31 832 is truth sets you free well what does verse 31 tell us if we put it in the context of truth setting us free verse 31 should be in that space Jesus said to the people who believed in him you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings so to be Jesus disciple you have to remain faithful to his teaching and then if you're faithful to what he teaches then it says, verse 32, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So if you're remaining in his teachings, then the truth will set you free. Psalms 25, verse five, lead me by your truth, teach me, for you are the God who saves me all day long. I put my hope in you. 
So in John 16, we're gonna get to there again moment. The Holy Spirit wants to guide you, counsel you, show you things to come. He wants you to get in the path of righteousness. He wants to be that voice inside of you. He's still and he's quiet. Do you have space? Do you long? Do you want to hear what he has to say? So in kind of in review, point number one in my study guide, the voice you listen to determines the path you travel. So if you're frustrated with the path you're on, I guess I'd ask you what voice you're listening to. The voice of the enemy? The voice of the Holy Spirit or the voice of your own flesh? Now, really quickly, because I don't want to run out of time, but Jonah, and, and if you don't know the story of Jonah, look it up in the Old Testament. You know, uh, it's about halfway in, in the Old, Old Testament uh, books. And we have this gentleman that um, he's, he's, he's a prophet. And God speaks to him, says, go to Nineveh. And this is the, where the, the guy that gets swallowed by a fish Maybe now you're, it's coming to mind. Swallowed by a fish. Go to Nineveh and tell them judgment that's to come. God never tells them he's going to save them. But because Jonah knows God. And I'll say that again. Because Jonah knows God, he understands that God's asking him to go to Nineveh and the Nineveh people are going to hear the fear of the Lord and they're going to receive God and they're going to be forgiven. And Jonah goes, not on my time. Jonah's voice is, I hear what God tells me to go, go to Nineveh. Tarsus is the opposite way. I'm going the opposite way. I, I don't want those people. It's not fair. So Jonah listens to the voice of it's not fair and it's not fair voice means I'm going this way. Or... Jonah says, God says, go this way. How many times, and I know all of you guys are so much more mature than this, but how many times have you ever listened to it's not fair voice? Because it will lead you the wrong way. And that's exactly what happened to Jonah. Now he's not just one person that we can pick out of the history in the Bible over and over and over, but he's just one of the ones that just, you know, just really comes out alarmingly. And I'm thinking, wow, God is only six chapters long and you pick this whole thing up that God goes, I want to talk to people that don't even want to listen to me and I'm going to send somebody. Now think about your workplace. People that are in your workplace, God wants to talk to them that don't want to listen and then he sends a Jonah, you, in that space. Are you so preoccupied with the things that are unfair in this world that you can't listen to the voice of God and be the voice of love and truth in their life? Because we can get so preoccupied, yes? What voice are we listening? Possibly, why did God put this unbelievably crazy historical part in the Bible, it's only a few chapters long about a guy that wants to follow the voice of unfair because he wants to talk to people. Could it be that we live in a space that seems like it's so unfair, but we could trust God in the midst of all our unfairness that we could help other people just like Jonah did? Number two, the path you travel determines your destination, means the path of righteousness. Now, Breaking that down, I can follow God for my personal walk. I can have, I have met people 
that have had a tremendous relationship with God and get in their prayer closets and want to get in their Bibles. And then all of a sudden, though, there's struggle in their marriage. And, you know, and they come from a broken marriage and, and then all of a sudden there's just things and, and the things that they're all of a sudden now in their marriage, you say, well, pastor, how can a person who, who's in their prayer closet be so close to God and yet over here in their marriage, they're so far away because there are paths of righteousness. I can be on the path of God in a personal devotion, but be way off the path of God's righteousness in my marriage. I can be on the path of God in my devotion and way off the path of God in my business. I can be in the path of God as what God wants me to do as a pastor, but way off as an employer. There are, say it with me, paths of righteousness. Why do you think, I mean, honestly, when you got saved, you think all of a sudden God just, I dub you perfect, everything's gonna work out. Did, I didn't get that package, how about you? Okay, the minute I got saved, I, re I started realizing how ridiculous I am. And sometimes what Satan's voice does makes me want to look at how ridiculous everybody else is. And, and you know, you all fit the bill. Okay. <laughs> so, but I, don't, but I got to get my eyes on me because I've got the same nonsense. And, that, and God didn't tell me to change you. He gave me the paths of righteousness for me, not the paths for you. Now I can help you, I can encourage you, I can love you, I can speak the truth, but you gotta take the path yourself. You gotta walk that path. So now when we're gonna jump into John chapter 16 with me, all right, and I'm, I'm at point number four, four, the voice I should listen to the most is the voice of truth. John 16, five through 11. But now I'm going away, Jesus talking to the one who sent me. And not one of you is asking where I'm going, which means they're not listening to the right voice. They're listening to Jesus leaving me. They're listening to rejection. And again, I don't think any of you have ever listened to the spirit of rejection, but I know what that feels like. Okay, so, you know, if you've ever been through a divorce, if you've ever been through maybe your parents' divorce, or you've ever, ever got, you know, lost your job or whatever, they're listening to, you know what, they got all their hope and all their joy and everything is, is in Jesus and all of a sudden Jesus is leaving and they can't accept it. Instead, you, gr you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it's best for you that I go away because I don't, if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him. And this, all of this stuff I just kind of want to settle. God wants to send Jesus. Jesus sends the Holy Spirit here for us. And when he comes, he, what is he going to do? Convict the world of sin. So if the Holy Spirit is present in your life, what's he going to do? Convict the world of sin. How many of you are perfect and don't have any of the world's problems in your life? Thank you for being so authentic and honest. Okay? All of us have the world, which means if I have the world, my thoughts become some of the world's, the, the desires of some of the things in this world, the frustrations, that means the Holy Spirit is in my life. He's going to convict me of that thought process and of those voices that that's sin. Now, I am so thankful I'm not left there. So I should be, as Jesus taught me to pray, I should be asking God to forgive me of my sins. Now, if you're not in the space of asking God to forgive you, Probably you're not aware or understand 
that there's sin in your life. How many are without sin? Please stand up and start preaching. I have sin in my life. You have sin in your life. Okay? So if I have sin in my life, I should be convicted of sin. If the Holy Spirit, so if the Holy Spirit, one of the first things, it says the first thing he's going to do is convict me, convict the world that there's sin. Now, if you want the Holy Spirit to talk to that person that you know in your workplace, that's a sinner, then you should be able to listen to the sin that's in your life. Amen or oh me. Okay? Convicted of sin. So I realize that I'm not without sin in my marriage. And I'm not, you, right away you go, what did you do? Okay? Let me tell you something. Are my thoughts God's thoughts? No. I want them to be. So the second one, he convicts me of sin. My life, and you should be in your prayer circle of your life saying, God, please forgive me in my life. Please cleanse me from all. First John 1, 9, cleanse me from all unrighteousness. One. Second thing the Holy Spirit does of righteousness. Convicts, convinces me that Jesus went to the cross. He died for my sins that I don't have to be sin conscious. Even though I say I recognize that there's sin in my life and all sin leads to death, which means that if, this, if I allow this sin to cultivate, I allow this sin to grow in my life, it's going to destroy my marriage. It's going to destroy my relationship with my children. It's going to destroy those aspects of my life. I don't want it to grow. I want, it, I want to bring it to the cross and say, Jesus, lift me up. In my life right now, personally, I'm at the altar. Last year, I went through a severe trauma, almost, you know, in a particular business thing. I almost had somebody get killed. And it brought so much trauma in my life that this, this event that happened, that what happened is every time I get a phone call, I'm like, I shake. Now, what someone is diagnosed is PTSD. And so what I see that as I understand somebody that's had somewhat, some traumatic experience, maybe it's a divorce. And you just go, I, I don't even want to answer the phone. I don't, want to, I don't want to go to the mailbox. I don't want to look at my email. I don't want to do it. I mean, I, you've been through so much trauma. Let me tell you something. I'm walking through this with Jesus right now, and he is healing me of it to the point where now I can look at the phone and answer it. The trauma's not all gone, but I have confidence that God get me through this to the point I know that what God's going to do on the other side, I'm a victory. I see it. I smell it. I'm not there yet. Thanks be to God who always leads me into triumph. So I'm trying to share with you guys path of righteousness in this space. Convicted me of righteousness. The next one is you need to start telling the devil where to go. The Bible says he's been judged. And you know what? He's like the jack that keeps getting out of the box. He needs to be put back in the box. Why did the music start playing and he come out again? But Adam, Adam didn't do it. Look where we're at. Eve didn't do it. Look where we're at. And the problem is we're given a, a specific right here in this passage that the Holy Spirit, if you have a true prayer life, if you have a path of righteousness, if your life is full, that you're going to be saying, look, I'm, I, Holy Spirit, fill my life. I am going to recognize I'm not there. I want to be convicted of it. God wants me to be a better husband. God wants me to be a better pastor. 
He wants me a better boss. He wants me to be a better grandfather and a better father. I don't feel the weight of that, even though I don't know how to do it. I go, God, I don't even know how to do it. And then I go to the cross and he goes, he, his righteousness, it doesn't matter if I know how to do it or what to do, his righteousness, he went to the cross, he gives me strength, he gives me power, he gives me victory, that Christ's redemptive power inside, I go to the altar and all I gotta do is surrender it, give it to him and he'll raise me up in newness of life. That's the gospel. And then, I wish I could say it was all ended there, but that nasty devil, that Jack that keeps getting out of the box shows up the next day. And I went through the whole thing. God, I just, I know that I said, I shouldn't have said that to Brenda. I know that I, I, I my gestures, 80% of my body, I, I have this body language, it's really bad. I mean, I can have it like, my wife joked around yesterday. And uh, we were, you know, she had to, it was late at night and I just wanted to just close the day. And so I said, well, what do you got to do? She said, I got to go clean a boat. I went, I mean, and, and right away, and she just goes, joking, look at your body language. Okay, I failed the moment. Provoke me to righteousness, sister. <laughs> so, but anyway, the, the point of it is, is that we have to recognize that, you know what, I'm not, I know I'm not where I belong yet. I got a long ways to go. In every situation in my life, am I redeemed showing who God is? No. But I want to be there. Thanks be to God. And then Satan shows up. I get victory today. We're winning, we're winning. And all of a sudden, tomorrow morning comes up and all of a sudden the phone rings and boom, there goes that PTSD moment. No, God, I don't have the strength in this. This trauma isn't mine. This doesn't belong to me. I don't have the victory in this area yet. I don't. But I know I'm going to get it. I know I'm on my way. But let me give you uh, one, in real closing here, a space where I did get victory. And this happened years ago. And uh, what happened was, is uh, I, I used to play in the water 24-7. And what I would do is, um, I liked, I was learning how to barefoot backwards deep water and all I'm going to say from that is is that you put your nose in the water and you just got it all in your whole face is in the water you're backwards like this you got your legs spread out wide open you got the rope in your back and then you tell your wife to hit the throttle and you got to put your legs in the water at this way watch it on YouTube okay you got to put your legs in the water as the boat is gaining speed and you got to pull your legs back together and you're, but the thing I'm saying is your face is just going ding, 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 in the water, okay? And then you try to arch it back. Now, my family has history of sinus problems. My family has history of it. My brother has it. My dad has it. And all of a sudden, right out of nowhere, I mean, I've been doing this since I was younger. And all, all of a sudden, one day, I wake up at one o'clock in the morning. Now I've been doing this for years without incident, without any kind of sinus issue, issue, issue at all. I wake up at one o'clock in the morning, right out of nowhere. And I mean, I'm just draining. And I'm starting to get into that space where, whoa, me and this is bad. And you know, when I, and I start reasoning, well, of course you're gonna be draining water. So all you did is shove water in your head, you know? And then all of a sudden it hit me. You know what? I don't have to get what the world gets because yes, I'm a sinner, but Jesus, what did he do? 
he redeemed me. That, and what did he redeem me to? I'm not of this world. That doesn't mean I'm a superhero. That just means that I have promises, as the Bible says, that I have to effectively see them work out in my life. So what I did is I prayed. I prayed all night that night while I was draining. My symptoms, Jesus name, this is not gonna be happening in my life, draining. Got Kleenexes all over, symptoms going over the draining. I said, God, your promises say that I am a child of God, heir to your, or heir to your throne, and that by your stripes I am here, draining. Keep coming out this promise. Now, here's the thing. I believe those symptoms can be completely culturally affected because the Bible says, according to Ephesians, that Satan is the God of this world. So he can create storms, he can create symptoms, he can create scenarios all in through our life, and yet you have authority over it, but if you don't exercise it, welcome Adam and Eve. Get kicked out of the garden. Welcome John chapter 16, Jesus says, I convict you of sin. Hey, you don't, you don't have any power because you're worthy of it. You're a sinner. But oh, I convince you of righteousness. You don't, have, you don't get what you deserve, you get what I got through my son. Oh, and by the way, because of what I've done on the cross and who my son is, it's time to tell the devil where to go. So if you're sin conscious, you ain't gonna have nothing to do with the devil. And if you're sitting there with self-righteousness, you're gonna be able to do nothing to the devil. But if you understand you're a sinner that goes through the path of righteousness because of what Jesus did, you're gonna know exactly what to tell the devil. And I told the devil, he says, you know what? You're not gonna be on my sinuses. Uh-uh. And I fought through that whole, I wrestled with him that whole night, I have not had one symptom since. I don't give credit to me. I give credit to what the Holy Spirit says and does. And here's the thing is, how many times do we exercise God's righteous path? If I get off the path, what am I going to receive? So I, I want to share this again. How many, how many things, if every path leads somewhere, then why don't I get on the path? And then if every path leads somewhere with God, then how do I get on that path? Well, first of all, I'm a sinner. I don't deserve to get on this path anyway. But because of what Jesus did, his redemption, he puts me on that path. And then the Holy Spirit, what does he do? He leads me in that path with that still, quiet voice. And then he tells me, when Satan gets right in the front of that path, did, Adam, did Satan walk in a perfect garden in front of Adam and Eve? You think that you could live a perfect life and all of a sudden you're not gonna have any devilish activity? Well, man, you didn't read your Bible. Because the garden was perfect. Adam and Eve were perfect. And Satan shows up in the garden and all Adam had even had to do is tell the serpent where to go. We tell everybody else where to go, but we ain't telling the devil where to go. Tell the enemy because of who Christ is inside of your life. It's not your authority, it's the authority of the blood and it's the authority of the word of God that's inside of your life. I love what Peter and John says, you know what, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, rise up and walk. 
Here's a person who has been lame since his childhood. The power of God went through the three things. John 16, one, Peter and John, they knew that they're sinners. Two, they knew that what Jesus did in their life was real and authentic. Do you know what Jesus did in your life is real and authentic? Or is it just a churchy thing to say? And then three, Satan, get your filthy hands off that man. Get your filthy hands off the poison ivy. Because this stuff is of this world. And what happens a lot of times, we aim at it, but don't destroy it. Jesus says, I come here to do good and destroy the works of the devil. Not just aim at it. Well, I aimed at it. I, I, I threw a scripture at it and I said, amen. I'd spend that whole evening destroying it. So it didn't come back. And if it does come back, what do I have to do? Destroy it. Because it's not of God. It's not of God. If it's not of God, why reason it? Well, and I've seen people with headaches and everything. Well, you know, I, I was lifting a lot that day. And, you know, muscles and things. All that can be symptomatic. Get it. Can I ask you something? Do you think that Paul shouldn't have had every symptomatic thing that go on in his body? The dude had been stoned to death, shipwrecked. You know, he had been lashed out. How many, three different times, the 49 lash. I mean, are you serious? If anybody had been symptom, I mean, post-traumatic st stress disorder would have been that guy. I mean, I mean, one person shows up with the audience to be preached. You know, I mean, is this gonna be the guy that's got a stone in his hand? Yet Christ lived in that man. And that's what I'm going to ask. And I, I am not in any way pointing my finger at you. I got four pointing at me. Is Christ truly alive in here? Or is it just honestly some kind of religious notation? Hey, it's cool to be in church today. Or is Christ living in my heart? Father, I thank you for your truth. And I pray that you help us abide in your teachings. Jesus, I thank you that it's not just some words on a, letters on a page. Jesus, you are the word that became flesh and dwelt among us. I pray that those letters and those historical moments of, of when you spoke to your people, that God, that that same essence of your Holy Spirit come alive in us. Holy Spirit, we invite you here. We invite you in our hearts. We want clarity of conscience so we can hear and perceive what you're saying to us today. In our marriages, in our, with our kids, in our workplace, even through our, God, through trials like divorce or crisis. God, we want to hear in every scenario who you are and what you are. That you're the redeemer, you're the, the restorer of my soul. Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. God, I pray for your leadership in my personal life. I pray for your leadership in their lives. Those watching in the audience, those present in this wonderful place of worship right now. Have your way in this space. Have your way. I want you to pray this prayer with me. I want you to stand up first. Would y'all stand up with me? I want you to pray this prayer of 
surrender, if you could. Say, Father God, please forgive me. I recognize I have wayward ways and forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me of unrighteousness. I ask you for your Holy Spirit to fill me. Give me strength to follow the path of righteousness. I thank you. In Jesus' name, I'm all yours. Amen. Let's worship our King together. If you liked this message, we want you to share it. Subscribe to more podcasts through mylifechangechurch.tv. Get involved. Ask for prayer. Share your story. Go to mylifechangechurch.tv. I'm Karma Adams, producer. We'll see you next week.